the Bible. Are you intimidated at the thought of reading such a complicated book? Do you find it daunting or delightful or both? Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. The Bible book club, where we read every word of this great book and then dig in and study it together. Well, the suspense is building. And if you are not binging Bible Book Club, I have no idea you are waiting a whole entire week to find out what's happening. So let's get into this. Joseph's dreams have come true and not just the part about his brothers bowing down to him. Joseph had probably dreamed a thousand different ways that he might be united with his family. And that reality has happened. Although they didn't know it was him. They don't even know they're reunited, Mm -hmm. but they are. Before he reveals himself, Joseph wants to know what he's dealing with. He wants to know if his brothers have changed their ways. He's testing them. So he sent them home, telling them they can't come back without Benjamin, knowing full well that the food will run out and they're going to have to come back. And I gave him credit for doing that because after not seeing them for so many years, it must have been really hard to send him back. But he really wanted to see Benjamin and his dad, and I don't blame him. All right, set up. When we pick up our story, we are in the middle of Joseph's brilliant plan to lead his brothers back to where God wants them, united as his people to become a great nation. Joseph knows that the family needs the truth brought to the light to move forward. They need to remember, repent, and return to God. So, so far, Joseph's plan is working. Joseph has imprisoned them for three days, and their response was remorse. They associate their presence in prisons in Egypt with a punishment from God for selling Joseph. And uh, that's a first step towards repentance. So they're on their way. They've also, he's also taken Simeon as hostage for the return with Benjamin. So he, that's, he didn't really have to see Benjamin, but I think that was a personal thing on his part. He wanted to. Yeah. Joseph wept to learn that at least one brother, Reuben, had fought for him all those years ago. And that's a little emotional healing for Joseph. So a lot has transpired. He's also created an opportunity to demonstrate courage and commitment to the family. He put the silver back in their bags, framing them and creating even greater danger for the return to Egypt for Simeon because they could be in prison for stealing. Judah stepped forward in courage, convincing his father they must return for Simeon and that he would protect Benjamin, a sign that there might yet be hope for Judah to lead this family. All right, we are going to continue with the second journey that the brothers make to Egypt. Verse 15. So the men took gifts and doubled the amount of silver and Benjamin also. They hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Take these men to my house, slaughter an animal, and prepare a meal. They are to eat with me at noon. The man did as Joseph told him and took the men to Joseph's house. Now, the men were frightened when they were taken into the house. They thought, we were brought here because of the silver that was put back in our sacks the first time. He wants to attack us and overpower us and seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. The whole take our donkeys things cracks me up. But (laughs) like that's a big deal. But it probably was. They wouldn't have a way to get back. No, but like Joseph needed some donkeys. All right. Reactions to the return. The boys were scared to death. And I don't blame them. Yeah, they should you be. and I both know when you've done something wrong in your past and it hasn't come to the light, you are scared always. With thousands of starving foreigners coming to Egypt to buy grain, they had to be thinking, why are we receiving this treatment? It must be because of the silver. They assume the worst as they sold Joseph as a slave that they are about to be seized and enslaved, which would be fair play in God's rule of order. Joseph, on the other hand, 
has to be elated. I, we don't know exactly how long has transpired since they came back, but a trip to and from Egypt was not a small thing. Well, and and they definitely said we could have gone back and t- there twice right. if it's we had not delayed. So, so Joseph is elated. A, they came back. They did not abandon Simeon. B, they risked bringing Benjamin. They passed the test from last time. They returned with faithful courage. And for the first time in decades, they are all under one roof. All except their dad. Yeah, their dad. And Joseph quickly moves to the next test. Test part four is, had the boys overcome evil, jealousy with good love for each other. Verse 19. So they went up to Joseph Stewart and spoke to him at the entrance of the house. We beg your pardon, our Lord, they said. We came down here the first time to buy food, but at the place where we stopped for the night, we opened our sacks and each of us found his silver, the exact weight in the mouth of his sack. So we have brought it back with us. We have also brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who put our silver in our sacks. It's all right, he said. Don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. Then he brought Simeon out to them. All right, so this is a cool reveal. You know, the steward, let's talk about the steward. The Egyptian steward interprets the silver in their sacks as treasure from God. He's a friend. Which is the opposite of what they thought the silver was. They thought it was a consequence from God. Remember Mm, from 4228. Additionally, how would a steward in an Egyptian leader's home know so much about their God, the God of their father? So that must have been really weird to him. They have this Egyptian man talking to them about their God putting the silver in the sack as a treasure. Do you think it's because Joseph had been such an influence on him? I think, but also, lastly, the steward said it was treasure from God. Now, this word is not often used in the Bible and usually refers to something hidden. Remember, we read Proverbs 2, how the hidden treasure, if you seek for it, you will find it like hidden treasure. So, which indeed the silver was hidden, that is true, but the steward actually says, your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver, perhaps implying a metaphor here. The steward received the silver, so what was the hidden treasure they were receiving from God? Mercy, grace, deliverance. He was alluding to something higher. To Joseph's credit, his steward does this so well we may assume that perhaps he had become a believer in God from following his leader, Joseph. That's a lesson in influence. Exactly. Much better than what Lot did in Sodom and Gomorrah. Exactly. Let's be like Joseph. (laughs) Verse 24. The steward took the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet and provided fodder for their donkeys. They prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon because they had heard that they were to eat there. When Joseph came home, they presented to him him the gifts they had brought into the house and they bowed down before him to the ground he asked them how they were and then he said how is your aged father you told me about is he still living okay we talked before about you know sometimes you have to be hurt by people to be used by god well this little section i want to talk about the fact that all is not fair in love and something you see it's not fair from your kids you know it's not fair well let's talk about this the second greatest commandment in matthew twenty-two thirty-nine is to love your neighbor as yourself but what if your neighbor is 
a brother who tried to kill you? (laughs) What if they caused you decades of suffering? Joseph models the answer for us. His behavior is a sharp contrast to his brother's behavior. Remember back in chapter 37, when his brothers saw Joseph approaching across the field as he came to check on them, their brothers did not care for his welfare. The brothers saw him and plotted to kill Joseph. Now, when Joseph saw his brothers approaching, just in verse 27, he asked them, how are you? Joseph cared about their welfare. Joseph was plotting to save his brothers. Joseph is modeling love even when it is not fair. The story of Joseph and his brothers is a very unlikely love story. Verse 28, they replied, your servant, our father is still alive and well. And they bowed down, prostrating themselves before him. As he looked about and saw his brother Benjamin, his own mother's son, he asked, is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He went into his private room and wept there. After he had washed his face, he came out and controlling himself said, serve the food. They served him by himself, the brothers by themselves and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves because Egyptians could not eat with Hebrews for that is detestable to Egyptians. The men had been seated before him in the order of their ages from the firstborn to the youngest. And they looked at each other in astonishment. When portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portions was five times as much as anyone else's. So they feasted and drank freely with him. All right, they. this is the test. They're amazed and bewildered, but they're not angry and spiteful. At this point, they must be thinking that God is divinely intervening on their behalf. How else could they have been seated in birth order? That's just weird. And how would anyone know that Benjamin was special to their father and given five times the portion, a symbol of honor that's usually reserved for those of high importance. The test is this. The brothers had not liked it when Joseph was honored with the coat. So Joseph tests them by honoring Benjamin with five times the food. How would they react to Benjamin being honored? Joseph watches with eager anticipation for a bad reaction to the test, but none is reported. But how far would they go for this brother? Do they really love him? The test as to whether the boys have overcome evil, their jealousy, with good love for one another, continues with that trick I talked about in chapter 44. The boys leave Egypt on this high. They've been treated to a feast during a famine. That's a big deal. It's kind of like they were honored. God has answered their father's prayers. Poor Jacob left at home. They are coming back with food. They're coming back with Simeon and they've kept Benjamin safe and he too is coming back. Then Joseph sets the brothers up for the final test, selfless love. Now, Joseph gave these instructions to the steward of the house. Fill the men's sacks with as much food as they can carry and put each man's silver in the mouth of his sack. Then put my cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest one's sack, along with the silver for his grain. And he did, as Joseph said, as morning dawned, the men were sent on their way with their donkeys. They had not gone far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, go after those men at once. And when you catch up with them, say to them, why have you repaid good with evil? 
Isn't this the cup my master drinks from and also uses for divination? This is a wicked thing you have done. When he caught up with them, he repeated these words to them. But they said to him, Why does my Lord say such things? Far be it for your servants to do anything like that. We even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the silver we found inside the mouths of our sacks. So why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If any of your servants is found to have it, he will die, and the rest of us will become my Lord's slaves." Very well, then, he said, let it be as you say. Whoever is found to have it will become my slave. The rest of you will be free from blame. Each of them quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it. Then the steward proceeded to search, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. At this, they tore their clothes. Then they all loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. So that we, they ended on this high, and all of a sudden they've gone from the high to the pit. The brothers fall fast, and the judgment is super clear to them. This is God's consequence for what they did to Joseph. Verse 14, Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in, and they threw themselves to the ground before him. Joseph said to them, what is this you have done? Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination? All right, big deal. Judah's going to take the lead here. What can we say to my Lord? Judah replied, what can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now, my Lord's slaves, we ourselves and the one who was found to have the cup. Okay, so we got we to gotta stop and just watch Judah rise to the top here because this is going to be a quick ascent. And it's just beautiful, really. Judah realizes God's hand, and that's wisdom right there, and brings their sin to the light by acknowledging their guilt. Well, let me no just more say hiding. this too, but they really didn't even intentionally do anything. No. Guilt. No, no, no. Has sometimes- Just like Joseph whenever, <laughs> Right. But- they're guilty, but they didn't mean to do it. And sometimes when something you're new, it's revealed that, that you did something wrong. I know I do this. I want people to know it wasn't my intention to right. do this. It doesn't really matter. I love, I love the example of Judah here. He's not trying to justify or say, here's why, here's what happened. We weren't intending. He just says, hey, we're really sorry. This is a great way to diffuse the situation. And he's accepting that this is God's hand for what they did in the past. And they need to own up to it and they need to take the consequences. And so he acknowledges their guilt. Second, he's so smooth. He is thinking of Benjamin and he actually, you you almost miss it, retracts their claim that their former offer, you know, when, when the servant comes to them, he, they offer that, oh, whoever has it will die. And then he realizes it's Benjamin <sighs> and he smoothly says, you know, oh, we'll all be your slaves instead of one dying now. It's mm-hmm. like, well, even though they said, we'll all go, we'll all be your slaves and the one who has it will die. Now he's just saying, we'll all be your slaves because he knows he has promised to his father that this child will live. Even if they all perish, Benjamin must survive. However, Joseph puts the pressure on. He leans in on this test for the brothers. He wants to see if they will abandon Rachel's only other son, Benjamin, as they had him. So he says, but Joseph said, Far be it from me to do such a thing. Only the man who was found to have the cup will become my slave. The rest of you go back to your father in peace. Oh, no, no, no. Are they going to go? Judah makes his case. 
what happens next is one of the most well-known noble speeches in the Bible. Verse 18, then Judah went up to him and said, pardon your servant, my Lord, let me speak a word to my Lord. Do not be angry with your servant. Though you are equal to Pharaoh himself, my Lord asked his servants, do you have a father or a brother? And we answered, we have an aged father and there is a young son born to him in his old age. His brother is dead and he is the only one of his mother's sons left and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, bring him down to me so I can see him for myself. And we said to my Lord, the boy cannot leave his father. If he leaves him, his father will die. But you told your servants, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him what my Lord said. Then our father said, go back and buy a little more food. But we said, we cannot go down. Only if our youngest brother is with us, will we go? We cannot see the man's face again unless our youngest brother is with us. Your servant, my father said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. One of them went away from me. And I said, he has surely been torn to pieces and I have not seen him since. If you take this one from me too and harm comes to him, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in misery. So now, if the boy is not with us when I go back to your servant, my father, and if my father, whose life is closely bound up with this boy's life, sees that the boy isn't there, he will die. The irony, the irony, it, it's, it's, it's got to be killing them. Here, you know, Jacob lost this son that he loved and now he's at risk for this other one. And Judah knows this, but Judah is stepping up because he cares this time for his father. He cares what this will do with him. He will not bring that grief on Jacob again. And so he makes this speech. He, he's undoing what he's done in the past. Your servants will bring the gray head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. And I said, if I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you, my father, all my life. Now then, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come on my father. So Judah passes the test. He refuses to abandon Benjamin as he had abandoned Joseph. And this is so interesting because if you remember back in chapter 37, it was actually Judah who set this all in motion to spare Joseph's life. He was the one that suggested they sell Joseph instead of killing him. Now he is refusing to sell Benjamin. And not just refusing, he's saying he'll take his place. Judah offers to replace Benjamin. Just Judah, like Jesus did mm-hmm. for us. Judah demonstrates exactly. <laughs> Judah demonstrates in words and deeds that they have indeed changed. Judah is willing to sacrifice his future to ensure the future of others. This is the sign of a great leader. Judah has learned to love others more than he loves himself. Well, the brothers have overcome the evil, the jealousy that used to consume them and traded it for good to love their brother. And they have turned from their self-serving sin and developed faithful courage to do the right thing, whatever the risk to themselves. And in this case, the risk was that they 
would become slaves. Joseph is the brother that God uses to save them from famine, to teach them a valuable lesson, and to unite them as a family. But Judah is the man God will use to fulfill his promises. So the phrase, all the world's a stage, must be most appropriate for God and the heavenly host because they get to see all of life from the very beginning of Genesis to now played out on a worldwide stage right in front of them, including the scene from next week's lesson. Just picture, if you can, for a second, God and the angels in a gold gilded theater with red velvet seats in the very front row. Now, I personally tend to talk in movies and plays, which is so bad. I do too. We are soul sisters. We we need to go together. (laughs) Drives my kids crazy. Because we're always going, shh, shh. But if I were God in that front row, I wouldn't have been able to contain myself. I would have leaned over to the angel next to me and said, what happens next? You're going to love it. (laughs) And you will love it too. Because next week, we have an ending that most definitely brought a cacophony of cheers and tears from the heavenly host. It is a beautiful end to Joseph's journey. And an unlikely love story that is the beginning of the greatest love story story of all time. What's a club without friends? If you're enjoying the Bible Book Club, why don't you share it? And then you can say, welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. New episodes drop every Monday and get all episodes now on Amazon Music. As always, head over to susanme.com slash Bible Book Club for show notes from today's episode. Bible Book Club is hosted by Susan Merrill and Heather Rubio. Edited by Buck Buchanan. Produced by Haley Mawatt.